that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to be beginning this morning in verse 12. We're just really doing our salutation or our closing, our benediction here. Uh, but I want to remind you, because I like going back and reminding. Someone said, well, your sermons would sure be right at about an hour if you'd just stop doing an introduction. But listen to me, it's not tedious to repeat myself. It's not tedious for us to sit down and learn the Bible. I mean, it, it, we should, we'll sit and watch a movie for two, three hours. We, get, we, we, we rejoice when games go into overtime and we call it exciting. But when the pastor goes into overtime, we start going, oh, this is real wearisome. And so listen, we're spiritual people in a body and we need to feed our spirit and we should be glad when we're hearing the word of God. So as we closed out last week, we're reminded uh, Peter is telling us as he closes this first letter that he writes, he's writing to you and me down the corridor of time. After going through a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, uh, a lot of things going on, he writes us and reminds us that if we will humble ourselves in the sight of God, uh, he will lift us up. If we cast our care upon God and turn our hearts toward home, He will do the work for us. He's already done it all on the cross. But as He says that, you know, He, he says, well, I, I'm reminded of the prodigal son. Do you guys remember the prodigal son? What did He do? He came to His senses. Remember, he took everything of his inheritance. He went out on his own. He went way away from his father's house. And he lived in a prodigal way where he spent all of his inheritance, all of his money. And he woke up one morning and there he was uh, feeding somebody else's pigs slop. And that's all he had to eat was that slop. And as he was doing it, and I'm paraphrasing, of course. As he was doing it, he come to his senses, the Bible said. He went... I could go back to my father's house and just be his servant. And as soon as he turned his heart toward home, what happened? That father come running and clothed him in the royal robes and put a signet ring on his hand. And he threw a big party. See, when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. That's all he's wanting you to do. Come to your senses. Come to your senses. We're drunk. We are not living soberly. We're not watching. And all we have to do is come to our senses and as soon as we turn our hearts toward home, that's what he wants. He'll come and do the work for us. But we have to begin to turn our hearts toward home. We have to begin to look to him and humble ourselves in his sight. Cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. But when we do that, don't be confused and think that it's going to be that easy because we have an adversary, the devil. 
So God says, do that soberly. Don't do that haphazardly. Do it with some discipline. You're going to need to be watchful because the enemy who goes about like a roaring lion, he doesn't have any teeth, he doesn't have any power, he doesn't have any strength really, unless you give it to him, he's going to try to destroy you. He's going to try to keep you from staying in the Father's house. He's going to try to keep you from doing the work of the ministry and from continuing to draw near to God. He's going to try to get you drawn away and entice you with some type of bait or what we call a trip stick, a scandalon, which will stumble you. But all of this is written so that you would not stumble. This is where you spend your time learning to articulate and hear the voice of God, the heart of God, the ways of God, the plan of God. It's all contained here in these 66 books by 40 authors to keep you drawing near, humbling yourself. And when your will meets God's will, you bow down. That's when he's showing you that there's something in your heart. When your heart's turned toward home and you read the word of God and it says, don't do that. And you go, well, I've been doing that. And I thought it was okay because other Christians were doing that. You go, I ain't going to do that no more. Lord, uh, I like doing that. Well, I'm going to quit doing that because I'm going to ask you for power and strength to help me. See, so he reminds us, it's a practical book where Peter is reminding us how to live. And he says this, now listen, and we'll, we'll go on to, to uh, this week's sermon. He says in verse 9, resist him, resist the devil. See, there takes some work to say no to self. There's some work you have to begin to recognize it and say, I'm going to say no, I'm going to use my free will and choose to allow all the power of heaven to help me to go this way instead of that way. So you have to resist him. And of course, we went to James last week where it says first to to, uh, submit to God. And that's where it begins, your heart toward home. I've got a heart to hupo tasso to you, God. I want to obey you and humble myself. And so now I can resist the devil. Because you have no ability in you to stop the devil from decimating and destroying you and devouring you. There's nothing in you. It has to be as you submit to God. He's already won the battle. Satan has been defeated at the cross. So he says, resist him steadfast in the faith. So it has to be by faith as you surrender to God, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory, he called us uh, to be glorified with him in heaven by Christ Jesus. Listen to this, because it's going to happen after you have suffered. Ooh, we have to suffer? Well, the word can mean vexation of the spirit, but suffering, yes, there could be pain. There might be suffering. You need to be fellowshipping with the suffering of God because if we deny our own selves down here, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things that happen. But after just a little while of suffering, look what it says God will do. All you have to do is say yes to God. Turn your heart to God. He's already won the battle. And there's going to be some sufferings in that or vexation of the spirit because of the evil all around us. But it's only going to be for a while. It's only going to be a while, a short period. And I know when you're in the middle of it, you think, man, when is this going to end? But listen, on the scale of eternity, it is a very tiny time. It's very short. But after, as, as you go through that suffering, what is God doing? He is perfecting you. He is establishing you. He is strengthening you. And he's going to settle you. He's going to give you rest. See, as you go through it, what you go through today becomes your strength for tomorrow. 
That's the only proverb God ever gave me. He gave it to me when I was in prison. Your struggles today will be your strength for tomorrow. And I never understood that when I was in prison. I didn't understand that one, I would count the greatest thing in my life to be locked in prison for 12 years. It kept me alive. I can look back on it and see all the lessons God has used to learn me, to temper me, to bring me to his salvation and use it in my life. See, because it doesn't matter where you're at, whether you're in prison, whether you're in a hole, whether you're in the front yard or the backyard, are you in Christ? Are you living in Christ? Are you living for Christ? Is your heart turned toward home? Do you have that signet ring on? Do you have the authority of God, the command of God, the anointing of God to go? See, when you're covered in the blood, all those things come as an inheritance package because I'm a child of the king. And he's already promised everything. He's already promised that I wouldn't have suffering. It's been granted to me to suffer. But in that suffering, he's going to perfect me. He's going to establish me. He's going to keep me on a firm foundation. I will be established as who I am and as, as a child of God. Are you looking at this with eyes that are looking into the heavenlies? Or are you looking at it like, oh, woe is me? Looking into the darkness to death. Because he is going to strengthen you if you allow him today. Tomorrow, when you see it coming, you'll have more strength to deal with it because you understand the hope of heaven. You understand the promises of God. You understand that this is the way it was planned to prove that there's no longer ever again going to be any rebellion in heaven because there's no wisdom or counsel against God. And then he settles you. Isn't that amazing? He settles us. He gives us rest. Perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you have that today? No, I know, I know. You can be a mature Christian and all of a sudden you go, oh, what's going on? Then you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's got this. You know, over the weekend, Friday night, was it Friday night after Bible study maybe, my wife's, she'd already showed me that her feeding tube was kind of weird. And then Friday night after Bible study, she come from the barn, and she's got it in her hand. And I'm like, whoa, you know. So now she's got this hole in her belly, and we're like, well, what do we do? See, because we've wanted to get rid of it anyway, and she's real, we're real slack, I should say, about going and getting it changed. They want to change it every three months, and it's been like seven months now, I think. And we're like, oh, yeah, don't bother us. Uh. But the water bag busted in it that holds it sealed, and then she's got it in her hand. And so then we have to decide, are we even going to bother with it? That's a pretty fearful thing. The devil wants to cast fear upon you. Like, oh, you're going to die. But God says, peace be still. You know, because one glad morning, we're going to fly away. Do you have the perspective that death has been defeated? Now, I'm not saying that if my wife was to leave and fly away today that I wouldn't be brokenhearted, but I would have a future and a hope still. I would be with her soon. It would break my physical heart, but God would know what he was doing as I went through that suffering so that he could perfect and establish and strengthen me, and I would be settled. I've dealt with it all of our marriage when she gets sick. I have to deal with it and once again take her and lay her on the altar as Abraham did Isaac and say, here, she cannot be my idol. 
She has to come after you, God, because I know you are in control. Do you know that today? Do you trust that? That's what a life of faith is. I will walk by faith. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You don't see it yet. You see it as you go through the sufferings, and then you begin to be perfected, and, and, and you're going through these things, and you're going, oh, my goodness, what's he doing? He's establishing your walk in faith. Oh, my goodness, he's strengthening you so you can help others. And then he settles you to that place where you go, oh, I see God's got this. The boat, I mean, it might be crazy, and there's a storm but he's even bid me to step out of the boat. And then I start to sink and he, you cry out to Jesus. He's got all the answers. Listen, it's just a little while. He's got all the dominion and power forever and ever. You know the devil who lies to us, he's got no power, no dominion. And the only thing he's got forever and ever is to be cast into the lake of fire. That's what he's got forever and ever. Right now he's telling you lies forever and ever. But he's a toothless lion. He's a toothless lion. This morning's text, 512 of 1 Peter. By Sylvanus, Silas, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, alike together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you, all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise and glory, and we thank you for... Um, the things that you grant us to suffer. We thank you for the storms, Lord, because that's where we grow. Lord, in the peaceful times, we take our eyes off of you. We become comfortable and complacent, content. Give us eyes to see, Lord, what you're doing. Continue to perfect and establish and strengthen and settle us for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, verse 12. By Sylvanus, Silas, uh, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. Now listen, I, I don't know if Silas just delivered this letter or if Silas is being the scribe that wrote down this letter. I know that Paul and Silas were on the mission field together, second missionary journey. We know that Silas was a Roman citizen who got saved. We know that he was a prophet when you see the Jerusalem council, and he's one of them that goes back with the letter, and he was a prophet also, and that's where he began his relationship with Paul. Uh, we, we know a lot of stuff about him. Um, for instance, we know that he is faithful. 
Isn't that interesting? Because see, the only thing that's required of you is to be faithful. That's the only thing. God's did all the work. God brings all the supplies. God's got all the plan. God's got everything lined out for you in your life. And all you have to do, turn your heart towards home and be faithful. Faithful. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Remember, it's love and it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness. What are we doing in our walk with Christ? Or is we faithful just to say a prayer and say, now it's all God's fault because he's not doing what he wants? Listen, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to get us to refocus and stop living according to culturanity and what other people are doing and just learn to be faithful in what God has called us to do. Well, what has he called us to do? Well, one, believe in his son, Jesus. His atoning sacrifice. That's where faith begins. You are saved by grace through faith. It is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You can turn there actually if you'd like, because I'd really like you to hone in on verse 10. Verse 10 of Ephesians, which I don't have marked in my Bible, and my glasses without them I'm helpless, says, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's how we should be living. You want to know what to be faithful about? First, trust in the blood of Jesus. Second, put yourself in his hands. When you see we are, that's who we are as a body. You are, that's who you are. These are, these are words that tell you your identity in Christ. Identity in the family of God, in the house of God. You're his workmanship. I love this word. It's the word poema. We're his poem. He's still, he's still perfecting, establishing, strengthening us. He's still settling us. But we're works in progress, but he sees us as finished. And we were created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. So what are we supposed to be faithful to do? Find out what they are. Find out what the will of God is. Find out what those works are. And then be faithful to just put your hands to the task. Well, I'm not ready. I'm not equipped. I don't have the tools. Just put your hands to the task. He'll bring all the tools. He'll bring all the people. He'll bring all the stuff. You just do what you've been called to do. And he'll be faithful to do what he's called to do. You don't have to fear. Think about this. If Moses, when he was sent to, to uh, well, he actually tried to get out of it. Uh, here I am, send Aaron. But think about if he thought about two and a half million people in the wilderness with all the animals. We don't have many millions of animals. Think about it. if you got two and a half million people, and all they did was they had animals. They were abhorrent to the Egyptians because they hated these herds people. So how many animals did they have? And now everybody's got to eat in the wilderness. You're like, somebody did the math one time on how many train cars it would have took just for one meal to bring the food in and to bring in the supplies to take care of two and a half million people in the wilderness. And if Moses would have sat down and went, my goodness, Lord, you're calling me to a big task here, and I just don't seem to have enough supplies to feed those people, so I'm not going. Bye. Think about it for a minute. You don't have to worry about it. God's going to show up. He rained bread from heaven. He brought quails from everywhere so they could eat, and they still complained. 
No, don't, don't freak out now because we do the same thing. Those are examples for you and us to learn from that God will provide for all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And to get our eyes fixed on going home, get our eyes fixed on heaven and quit looking at this stuff that's going to burn. Because, see, that's what the devil's doing. He lies to us. He gets us to look at all of this world system that has nothing to do with what spirits are doing. We're called to be ambassadors. We're called to cast our care upon the Lord. We're called to trust Him. Now, I can preach about it. I'm not real good at it either, but it doesn't change the truth. Spit zone. It's like a Gallagher concert, isn't it? We're going to hand out umbrellas. I know why nobody sits in the front seat. Listen to me. You're his workmanship. You think he put his hands on you and he's going to stop? He's faithful. He's going to complete the work he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. Are you faithful? If a letter was written to you, if Peter wrote about you, what did he say? Bam! There's Silas, my faithful servant. Think about that. That's pretty powerful. Because when we cross the finish line, what does God say? All because of what he done. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. See, it's already done. The problem is, is we fight with him. He's trying to perfect us. He's trying to uh, uh, establish us and strengthen us and settle us. And we go, man, I've been fighting with the devil all week. The devil been trying to get me. No, you ain't. You're fighting with God. He's allowing that stuff so you'll cry out and get wisdom and turn your heart to listen to what he's saying about it. And we're always saying we're fighting with the devil. I mean, I, I, I am tired of sermons that say we're fighting with the devil. He was defeated at the cross. Oh, he's still there. He'll still devour you. He'll destroy you with a bunch of lies. And you will believe him because it's fun. If you don't put the word of God first, you'll go... Man, this sin is good for a season. I'm having fun here. No, the devil's killing you. You're trying to have a little bit of fun for today, and the devil's trying to take you to hell with him. That's why he tells us to be sober-minded. He's a faithful. Look at that. what he says. Faithful. Why? He went on. He, he was faithful in Jerusalem. Listen, when you're faithful with the little things, he'll make you. Anybody know the verse? I don't know it either. I just went and got stuck there. See that? That's how I did that. That was at theatrics, my wife says I always do. If you're faithful with little things, he'll make you ruler over much. He gives you more. You start with just a little bitty things, and he builds you up. He's, he is what? Listen, he's perfecting you. He's going to complete the work he started in you. So he is perfecting. He's establishing. He's strengthening. He's settling you. He's going to stand you back up and correct you and set you right where you're supposed to be in his house, in his place, because he's a God of order. So when you're faithful with the little things, look, here's, 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 here's Silas. He was in Jerusalem. Paul and them are fighting with the Judaizers. And the Judaizers are saying that you have to come to the Jewish faith first, and then you can believe in Jesus. They're saying you've got to keep the law, then you can believe in Jesus. And they go, no, 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 no. Paul and Barnabas is fighting with them. And they go, well, let's send some men down to Jerusalem. 
And let's find out what James and the boys say about it. The rest of the apostles. They go down there. They decide, no, 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 no. They're saved the same way we're saved. When you believe upon the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit baptizes you, they're telling all these testimonies. And they go, okay, well, we'll write a letter. We'll send it back to them. But we're going to send a couple guys with you so that they'll hear it by verbal testimony and written testimony. That's what you're getting right now. Verbal testimony from me. We're getting... Written testimony from Peter. This is the way you witness and you testify and you tell the gospel. And so Silas goes down there. The other guy goes back. I forget his name. It eludes me right now. Silas decides when he sees everything that's going on, he's a prophet. He's one that foretells the word of God. He's seen so many things. He's learning. He's being faithful. He starts sharing with the people down there and he likes them and he stays there. And then Barnabas and Paul get in a big fight about John Mark, who's mentioned here, Marcus. John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, who become a son of Peter. And in fact, they believe that Peter uh, was like being interviewed when John Mark wrote his Gospel. Most of the stuff that he has in the content come from Peter, and John Mark wrote this book. So Silas stays there. Barnabas and Paul have their big argument, and Paul looks around for somebody faithful, and he takes Silas with him on the next missionary journey when they go back to encourage churches. And Barnabas goes that way, and now you got two teams doing the same thing. They're going out and testifying to Jesus, witnessing to Jesus, and they're exhorting churches and planting churches, but you don't hear nothing about Barnabas. Nothing bad. He's the son of encouragement, but you begin to keep hearing about Paul. And Peter, you keep listening to that. So here's Silas being faithful. And now we see him again. He's down here and he's faithful and he's hanging out with Peter. And he's writing this letter. I think he's being a scribe and writing it. Peter might be older, but he might just be doing it because that's what they like to do. They had a secretary is what we'd call it. And he's, he's kind of telling him what to say. We've seen Paul doing that in almost every one of his letters. Why? Because Paul had the sickness of his eyes. I believe that. He got caught something up in Macedonia, the Galatia, or the uh, Philippi area. And so he says he's a faithful brother. That's all we're called to do. Be faithful. If you are faithful, that's a constancy in your faith. If you continue, to, it's pistos. It, 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 it's the character that you become as you get into the word perm fellowship and you do the small task that's before you. See, you can actually say... Uh, somebody's being mean and bossy to you, or you can put your hands to the task and say, what next? What next? You know, if you see somebody come on the job, like I don't know where you work, but wherever you work, and then they're done with the task that you just gave them, and they go, what do you want me to do next? Then you know you got somebody that wants to work. You know you got somebody that wants to be faithful. And so when you give them something else to do and they take care of that, now they start moving up because they have a little bit of motivation. And see, your motivation has to come from the Holy Spirit, though. But then when that person gets to a place and he says, I've arrived, and he stops doing it, now you know it was flesh. Now you know it was flesh. It's not really that God is perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and settling him. It was really that he was looking for a position. And that's what you see most of the time in Christianity. What you see most of the time in the church. People are looking for a position, and they don't realize that they have a perfect position in the house of God. It's finished. It's complete. It's done. And now all you need to do is be faithful. Just be faithful to what he calls you to do. Put your hand to the task. Because no one putting their hand to the plow and turning back is worthy of the kingdom of God. Just not worthy of the kingdom of God. There's no reason to turn back. 
Burn the bridges behind you. Be done with the old life. So he's a faithful brother. This is the testimony we want. It can only come through listening to the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit. It can only come from baptism of the Holy Spirit. It can only come because of the Spirit of God doing the work of God in and through you at the same time as you learn to obey God and what He's called you to do. Because you are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that you should walk in them. Are you being faithful to walk in them? Have you ever asked Him, what are they? See, because I know it's easy. It's really easy to walk out the door after you hear this sermon and go right back to the world and just keep doing what you're doing because there doesn't need any obedience, doesn't need any work, doesn't need any discipline. You don't have to stop doing anything and you think you're okay because you said a prayer once. The devil knows that too. The devil knows that too. But you're supposed to receive the word. It's supposed to be implanted in your heart and it's supposed to grow fruit some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. It's going to look different in every life. But at the end of the day, it's whether you're faithful or not. I'm just trying to be faithful in doing what God has called me to do. And you know, the hardest part is getting me out of it. And that's going to be your hardest part because sin and self and Satan is your enemies. So here's the testimony, the way that, and and Paul says, I reckon, consider is here, but it means reckon. So he's pretty country. I reckon Silas is a faithful brethren. <laughs> I like that. I'm country as I'll get out. So I like it. He was willing to do whatever he was told to do. So he says, he's written this. Either he delivered or he helped write it. And what's he writing? I have written to you briefly. Listen. If I ever say to you, I'm just going to tell you briefly, don't believe me. Yeah, and the word really is not briefly, so it's a bad translation. It, does, it doesn't mean briefly. Uh, um, it's talking about the reason or the channel of the act, what he's doing. This is why I've written you. You know, uh, uh, Jude was going to write concerning, and he had to talk about the creeps, you know. And sometimes you go to do something, and you think you're doing it for one reason, but then God uses you for a total different reason, and you don't even recognize it till later after he begins to, to strengthen you and establish you what's going on. So anyway, the word briefly is probably bad, because legal briefs sometimes can be confusing and long, and that's what I think of when I see brief. Um, but here's what he's doing. The reason I'm writing you... Uh, is to exhort you and to testify of what? The, the, that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. See, because as we're faithful, our position is hestemai, hestemai, to stand, continue, abide, and remain in Jesus. That's what that word means. It's the word from Ephesians 6. Having done all to stand. That's it. Stand and be faithful. The war's won. The battle's won. Everything's won. All we're doing is handing out the spoils from the spoil house in heaven, but you got to go visit heaven. You do it in prayer. You do it in the word. You do it in fellowship. you got to begin to understand the riches and the identity, and then you hand them out as a good soldier as people come by. It's like standing in the food lines that we're getting ready to have. Oh, did I say that already? We'll get to that in a minute. 
Listen, this is serious stuff. Peter's writing this when Nero's getting ready to attack and the blood of the saints are going to be all over the ground. Nero's getting ready to attack here and he burns down Rome. This is serious stuff. When he's writing this, they needed this. Your struggles today will be your strengths for tomorrow. Listen, when you're hearing this, you're going to need this. God's always preparing you for the battle that is to come. He's always trying to get you ready for what's coming. And a good soldier will be disciplined and listen. A good soldier will take heed of that counsel and see evil and turn away from it. It's coming, people. I don't care what anybody else is saying. And I don't care if they say anything about me. It's coming. And it's coming quickly. It's going to come quicker than you could ever imagine. So he's writing, exhorting, exhorting means to call near, means to encourage, to invoke, to invite, to comfort. He's calling near to what? To truth. He wants to call them near to the truth that is in Jesus Christ, to the true grace of God in which you stand. He wants to call them near to that truth. Listen to him. He's talking to us about salvation, justification. He's talking to us about sanctification, being set apart and consecrated and being perfected, being established, being strengthened, being settled, and then glorification because God's kingdom, is his dominion is forever and ever, that one day we're going to be with him forever, glorified with him. And he's saying, this is the true grace that you're going to suffer. You're going to go through these things. It's part of the perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and settling. So quit acting like some strange thing is going on when it's happening to all your brotherhood in the world. It's happening to everybody who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus. You will suffer persecution. Through much suffering will you enter the kingdom of God, the Bible says. This is the testimony. It's not a crossless gospel where there's no pain. Listen, it's easy to roll around in sin. It's easy to roll around in this world. It's easy to go out and chase the American dream and do whatever this world has to offer. It really is easy. I don't know if you find it that easy. I find it hard to stop. I find it hard to say no to it. And I find it hard to say yes to Jesus. But the more I draw near to him, the more he perfects and establishes and strengthens and settles me. So it's got to be the condition of my heart and the way that I'm looking, the places I'm going, the faithfulness that I have. Because everything, every bent, everything that I like to do, I'm real faithful at it. Think about it. It's a long, hard one. Real good at it, real faithful at it. Make up things and find ways and try to get to where that's at so I can be faithful at it. What about Jesus? If your heart is with him, let's be faithful about getting there. Listen, not condemnation. This is like, bam, let's open our eyes. Let's look and see what the devil's doing to us. Let's find out what this world system has created and what it's doing to us. And let's get right with the spirit of God and the word of God and the kingdom of God because the things are getting ready to get serious and you need to be prepared or you're going to be destroyed. You're going to be devoured. 
And I hope that shakes you at your core. That's what it's designed to do. To go to a church and not get your toes stepped on, not get your heart grabbed a hold of, not hear something that would shake you is a waste of a Sunday. You might as well mow the grass and listen to somebody else's sermon. Because this is serious stuff. We are soldiers in the army of the living God behind enemy lines. And we're not supposed to be entangling ourselves in the affairs of this life that we might please Him who called us to be soldiers. We're called to be faithful soldiers. Not POWs. Not taken captive. Not devoured. The true grace of God has all of these things in it. The true grace of God. God's riches at Christ's expense. There's a, there's a serious spiritual war going on. There's a serious battle going on. And God offers freedom. God offers salvation. God offers redemption. God offers everything laid out Already finished and completed and done. And you have nothing to do except to surrender and be faithful. And the devil, what does he do? He takes it by force. He's like, you will obey. You will do it. You're in bondage now. You'll follow me. He takes it by force. See, God never, he says, you have a choice. You want to know whether it's the devil or God you're listening to? Or are you being in bondage? Or are you being made to do it? Or is it a free will choice where love says, here I am, I love you. Don't do that, it's going to hurt you, but I love you. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my burden is easy. Listen, listen to me. The devil, as you see in the world system, forces you to do it. Makes you, condemns you and shames you if you don't take a vaccine condemns you and shames you if you don't do what they say to do. That's the earthly government. That's the battle that we have to fight against. That's what's trying to devour you. What? Well, it's 1 John 5, 19. I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. It's underneath wickedness. It's under deception. It's the same government that's been going on since the beginning of time that it has said, this God's offering you freedom to walk with Him in the garden. Don't listen to His voice. Listen to mine. There's freedom with that God, but listen, is he really holding out on you? You should listen to my voice. You should listen to my words. You should read my books. You should chase my entertainment. Same government spoken of all the way through the Bible. It's the government that is led by Satan. He was the original sinner. The original rebellious one against God's word. But the true grace of God, look over at, uh, before I get ahead of myself, Titus 2. I like to start with 10, but we'll start with 11. You might make a note that in 10, he talks about them being adorned with the doctrine of God our Savior. That means you're putting on being clothed in. That's what you walk in. That's how you are the poema of God. You're being adorned and enclosed with the truth that is in God. But I don't want to start there. Just while you were walking there, I was going to do that. So it's 11. 
Because, see, we want to be with the true grace of God. Now, notice what Titus or Paul says to Titus on the island of Crete. He says, for the grace of God. Why has he appeared? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's the grace of God. That's the gift of God, the gifting of God. That's what charis means, the gifting, the graces. But that grace has to have an effect on your heart. That's how we walk in grace. That's how we're in the true grace. It has an effect on the heart of the one who receives the grace. And it's appeared to all men. What does that mean? That means that Christ died for all men. His manifestation, His coming, it was all for all men. Now see, the Old Testament saints, they were like, what is the grace of God? What is the Oh, we know there's a, there's a Savior coming. We know that God is going to appoint somebody to come in the future. And we're believing by faith and it's accounted to righteousness. But we don't know what He looks like. We don't know who He is. We don't know what the grace of God is in that sense. And you and I know it. And now he's saying that he has appeared. It's not a mistake that the whole battle on the entire planet is about whether he appeared or not. It's not a mistake that the whole battle on the whole planet is who he was or not. It's not a mistake that we set our calendars and our time and everything about whether the grace of God really appeared or not. Whether he's coming back again. Notice that's in this text too. The grace of God that brings salvation, deliverance from the sin nature, deliverance from the lie, deliverance from that which will send you to hell. He is the deliverer. He has appeared to all men. What's he was doing, Greg? He's teaching. What's he teaching, Greg? That denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Oh, we're supposed to say no to self. Say no to ungodliness. Yeah, in Christ, we're supposed to be obeying godliness and heavenly desires. If you wanted to change those words to the other side of salvation where we become new creations, well, what should we do? We should live soberly. Soberly. Now, it's not the word we had in our text with Peter, and that's why we have to be careful. Sometimes we think it's the same word because it's soberly. It's still in the English. It's still soberly. This has nothing to do with drinking. This word means a sound mind uh, with moderation, moderately. See, because when you begin to give over to your appetites, it's easy to be in bondage, to be trapped, and then the enemy begins to force. The enemy begins to use fear to force you to obey. Well, what if they find out? I'm entrapped then. What if they know? I'm trapped. What if I die of COVID? I'm trapped. And he uses fear. Does it ever appear to you that, you guys ever think about this for me? I was thinking about this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, he's the only one we should fear. If you want wisdom, you fear God. But what does the devil do? He goes, okay, God, God says, now I'm going to force fear this way, and then they'll believe my earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom and follow it. So all he's doing, he has no new stuff. All he can do is mimic God because he wants to be like the Most High God. So he takes everything of God and perverts it. He's even going to bring in the Antichrist and the false, uh, 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 what's the preacher's name? And, and, and then, what's the preacher's name? Paul's prophet. I, I, my brain went dead. I was like, "Woo!" I get excited. I do that when we're, when we're leading worship. Do you guys, if you lead, I start doing it, and I forget, and I just start worshiping, and I forget to do the chords. I forget what's the next line, and, and then I think about, well, maybe I should tell them the line, and then all of a sudden, I miss the chord. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I get excited worshiping the Lord. So, uh, excuse me. Listen, he's just perverting He wants you to do the opposite. Did God really say it's death culture? Kill what God said. Let's go have some fun for a moment, for a season. It brings death when it's full-blown. Death culture. 
Not just your soul, not just to your physical body, but to others. So Jesus came, the grace of God, he appeared. That's where we get the word epiphany from. Epiphaneo is how it is. Epiphaneo. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live moderately, soberly, righteously, which means right living before God. Just find out what's right and do it. And godly in this present age, that's the time we're living in. What do you do while you're doing all of that? You're watching. Looking. That's where your eyes are fixed. Looking. It means to wait with confidence and patience. One bright morning, when this life is over, I'm going to fly away. I have confidence in that. And I can be settled and have patience and continue to do the same thing every day. I talk to my buddy Jackson every Tuesday morning before work. We both talk. I call him and go, hey, what are you doing? He goes, same thing, different day. Hope somebody hears about Jesus. I mean, we both say the same thing. Every, it's like we're, we're, we're almost like stupid. We say the same thing. Yeah, me too. I'm on my way to work. I hope I find somebody to listen to me about Jesus. You might think it's dull and mundane. You might think, well, I'm sick of this. Listen, you're a workman of God. You're his workmanship. You're an ambassador. You keep doing that exact same thing and look for somebody to tell about Jesus. That's the mission field. You're being equipped right now to tell somebody about Jesus. Oh, we're suffering in America. We have to go to work every single day. (laughs) Man. I guess I could just be drunk and chase carnivals and go to hell. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. This is life, guys. They're killing people in other countries. You ain't hearing it. It's all a bunch of lying media. Even the ones you think are telling the truth are liars. They're all underneath the sway. They all are under the sway. If they are not actively under the lordship of Jesus Christ, looking to set their heart toward home and do the work of the ministry and be an ambassador and witness for God, they're either deceived or they're just plain outright liars. There's only two houses. You can pretend like there's a whole bunch of houses, but there's only two. And there's only two fathers. The father who freely gave his most prized possession to buy you back from hell and the father who lied to get you there. And now you need to decide, which voice am I going to listen to? And make no mistake, like we talked about Friday night, started naked and you're going to end naked. Huh? Remember, they were, we heard your voice and we were naked and afraid and hid ourselves. But listen, everything's laid bare. Hebrews 4.13, and naked before the eyes of God. He sees it all. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. He knows what's going on. And it's Him that we're supposed to be faithful to. And if you're faithful to Him, you'll be faithful to your spouse, to your job, to your children, to everything else. If you're looking to be faithful to God. That's the plan. Because Christ came. He was our example. He taught us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. He said no to everything. He lived perfectly. He, he, he did it all right. But while we're doing it, we're looking to the blessed hope and the glorious second coming, appearing. Remember, the grace of God has appeared, and now He's going to appear again. He's coming again soon. Coming to a city near you. Graves are going to pop open. People are going to meet in the sky. And that's, oh yeah, they're going to be talking about it on the news. 
Think about it. They're going to talk about that on the news. They're going, on the fake news, they're going to be like, uh, UFOs have appeared, and they've taken people away, and they've snatched the bodies out of here. They've been talking about it for years on the movies, body snatchers, all kinds of stuff. Everybody's already geared for it. They're all set up for it. They're going to be talking about stuff that happened in the sky, and they're going to blame it on Uh-huh. Oh, I was waiting for you guys to fill in the blank. It's real simple. It's not hard to figure out. Even Ronald Reagan back in 1984, and I've told you this before. It's not tedious to repeat it. He said, if we were suddenly attacked from somebody from out of our galaxy, we would all lay aside our petty differences in religions, and we would get together, and we would fight as one. Well, they're going to do that real soon. They're going to be one world government real soon. One world religion and one world leader of all that. We need that. We need it so bad. If you're listening to the world, um, don't, 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 don't laugh at that. That's a lie. We don't need that. We already have that with God. That's, a, that's the one world government. God, his government, his kingdom, his ways, his word, his voice, his wisdom, his salvation. We're waiting for that. We're not looking for that down here. My hope's not in this world, and it's one world leader that's going to come and save us all from their made-up pandemic. And I apologize if you've been sick or you've had loved ones that died. It's a made-up pandemic to bring fear, to control you, so that the government can dominate you. Just like the coming uh, uh, depression is going to be made up. I will not raise any of the middle class taxes. No, but you're certainly making inflation go through the roof and everything that I'm earning doesn't buy me anything anymore. So I'm going broke regardless. You might as well raise my taxes. But see, it's more stealth and more deceptive if you don't raise the taxes and it looks like they're on your side while you're drunk and, and, and walking around thinking you're okay. The, the disaster's coming. They're holding up the food lines. They're not putting the stuff on the shelf. They're purposely not allowing people back to work. They're doing everything to slow down the economy, raise the inflation so they can get rid of the middle class and we'll be just like every third world country with a filthy poor and a filthy rich. And then they can control every single one of us because they'll be the one handing out the block of cheese. And if you as a little mouse don't listen, you don't get no cheese. No cheese. They do what I say. Don't get no cheese. It sounds funny, but it's insane. But it's what the devil's doing right now with their world government. They've been doing it forever. The grace of God kept us from seeing it. I'm going to get there in a minute. Let me finish this text. Look what he says. They're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice. Paul's theology is not messed up. He called him God and Savior. He called him God right there. Did you read that in your Bible? 2.13 of Titus. He's our great God and Savior. What did he do? He gave himself for us. Listen, he did, we don't want that to go to waste. He gave himself for us. That's us together, collectively. All men. But only those who believe can receive it. Open the gift and walk in it. Trust in it. What did he give us for? That he might. Notice the word might's in there. Oh, he's mighty. He's almighty. 
but he might redeem us. You have to believe. You have to trust. You have to turn to him. You have to come to your senses. What's he redeeming us from? Every lawless deed. That's our work. See, we're created to him for, in Christ Jesus. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, that we would walk in those giftings. Here, he's redeeming us from all the ones we did in death culture. And what's he doing next, Greg? See, because that's your positional salvation. Next, he's going to purify you. He's going to sanctify you. He wants to use you for his glory to tell others, to be an ambassador, to be that trophy of grace sitting on his shelf so people will see there's a living and true God. What's he doing, Greg? He's creating his own peculiar people. Uh-oh. I know your Bible says special. I wish I was special. <laughs> peculiar. I'm looking out there. You're pretty peculiar. Oh, never mind. Peculiar. What does it mean? I look and we get back on our text. I can't believe that hey, we're doing three verses and it's taking you six hours. I'm just doing it briefly. Just calm down. It's just briefly. Where's peculiar at? Oh, here it is. Uh, uh, beyond unusual or beyond usual. Beyond usual. Think about it. If you're not doing what they're doing, they think we're real peculiar. We're real strange. Uh, uh, something's going on with us. Why aren't you chasing this stuff? Why aren't you living ungodly? Why aren't you going out and getting the most you can get? Doesn't everybody who gets the most toys win? No, you don't. That's the lie of the devil. You need to be perfected. Established, strengthened, settled. Standing in the true grace of God that has brought salvation. He's purifying his own peculiar people. What are they supposed to be? Zealous. I remember when I first got saved, this was zealous. Zealous for good works. What good works? What are we being faithful in? What are we burning for? That's what the word means, burning for good works. What good works? The ones he created in Christ Jesus for us to walk in, that we're supposed to be faithful with. Now, you guys think that's funny, but if you really check this Titus out, he's on the island of Crete, the worst people on the planet at the time. The three C's, wasn't it? The, the, the Cretans, the Corinthians, and the uh, Cappadocians, they were the three worst people on the planet. And, and here's, here's a, a, a Titus over there left on the island of Crete, supposed to be straightening these people out, and he ain't got nothing but the Word of God. That's all he got, the Word of God. How are you going to straighten some people out with the Word of God? I think God sent it to heal the land. I think God sent it to bring salvation. I think that it teaches us how to deny ungodliness. It's enough. No matter what the other people are saying, just get in it. Trust it. Walk in it. Believe it. Even when they say something different, they're liars. You're in a world, in a spiritual war, and the enemy fights with lies. You can't believe it. And then he says, speak these things, and that's so, that what we're doing now. Exhort, call near, rebuke. Oh, the word chastise it means to train a child up in the way it's supposed to go with all authority why because jesus has all authority matthew 28 18 he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptize them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit teach them to obey teach them to say i said a prayer 
No, teach them to obey all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Because all authority. Let no one despise you. Now, that's a strange word that he would say to Titus, who was young in the faith, but it means to depreciate you or what you're saying. That's what it means, but to despise. You're depreciating the word of God. Aren't that, isn't that what the attack's on? They depreciate the word of God. Did God really say, let's depreciate what God said? No, 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 you want to appreciate it. You want to lift it high. You want to make sure they hear it. You don't want to let them depreciate it, which is what they want to do. Well, wait a minute, now we're talking medical here. We're talking biology here. We're talking science here. We're not talking the Word of God. Really? God's the original physician. God's the original scientist. God's the original creator. He spoke. You don't think you can trust Him? He's the one spoke and created the heavens and the earth. You don't think you can trust Him? You, don't, you can't trust the Word of God? Come on, we need to wake up here. But we're trusting in what? Let's go back to our text, and we'll close this out. This is my first of my 12 closings. You know you're going to get them. Listen, this is the grace of God which we stand in. It's real. You can trust Him. You can have faith in Him. You can believe Him. His Word is true. If His Word says it, you can stand on it. It's already finished. You're just in a testing ground. You're being tried Will the sufferings destroy you? Will the, will the lies defeat you? Will the enemy devour you? Or will you continue to stand no matter what comes down the pike? This is pretty crazy because if you think about when he was writing it, Nero's getting ready to go off in Rome. Evil atrocities and they still had to trust God through it and that same government is rising now it's coming again it's been rising let's just let's let's cover it a little bit because I kind of teased last week about this and then I started studying Babylon and I went oh my goodness I'd need like to do a whole year on Babylon if we was really going to study this because it is as long as it is wide but 13 she who is in Babylon elect together with you, greet you, and so does Marcus, my son, greet one another with a kiss of love. Now listen, that was cultural. You don't need to be kissing a good handshake or a warm hug or how you doing. You know what, but, but be serious, no, you know, because how we say hi, we just go, how you doing? But we never stop and actually listen to how they're doing, nor do we ever expect them to tell you how they're doing. But in the body of Christ, we should. How you doing? Really, let me pray for you. We should really, that's love. That's kiss of love. See, because remember, Judas's kiss was a kiss of death. He was betraying him. We're supposed to greet one another and be genuinely concerned about what's going on with the rest of the body of Christ. Because what's going on in your life affects my life. If we're really in the same body together. Peace to you all. Who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So be it. Notice it's peace to those that are in Christ. If you're not in Christ. And you're not covered in the blood. You do not have peace. 
No matter how you act, you have no peace. You're an enemy with God. There is no other name on heaven and earth by which men can be saved except for the name of Jesus. The only way to have peace with God and not be at war with, with God is to believe in the blood of Jesus. That's the only way. You believe that his blood atoned for your sacrifices. And when you confess that with your mouth and believe it in your heart, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto salvation, and with the mouth confession is, excuse me, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's a wedding ceremony where you become married to Christ. When we take communion, we're celebrating our wedding vows. We're remembering that we said, I will. And then now we're saying, wait a minute, I'm not being faithful. I need to get my heart right with God and learn to be a faithful bride who would listen to the husbandman and be the helpmate of my God in bringing others to salvation. How do I do that, Greg? I walk in the gifting that he gave me. I'm faithful with what he's doing. I'm allowing him to, to take me and put me, put me in his hands and I can be his workmanship so that he can perfect, establish, and strengthen and settle me. That's the way it's supposed to be done in marriage. That's the way the man is supposed to be doing in covering the bride and taking care of her. But the first Adam failed miserably. He stood by and said nothing while his wife listened to death culture. The second Adam came and he appeared and he did it perfectly. That's why Paul says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water through the word. Everything that we do is through the word. If God said it, we're listening for his voice, we want his direction, we want his wisdom, and we're going to destroy the works of the devil the same way Jesus did on the cross through the word of God. Standing in the word of God. Now look where they're at. She who is in Babylon. Now the early church believed that that was, they would say that was Rome. That would be technically what they would say. Some people believe it was a church. She who is in Babylon. But Babylon means confusion. Babylon began back in, well, let's just turn there. Genesis chapter 11, is that correct? 10, 11, let's just look at it. Let's see where it began. Actually, I mind, you can put your finger on 11, but let me just tell you what's going on, and let's just cover a little bit about Babylon, Okay. We need to understand that Babylon is a world system that's ran by the devil. It has a religious center, it has a commerce or economy center, and it has a government center. The head of that government is the devil. It's the, it's the, it's the, the commerce system that we see right now in the world. And there's a religious system. Well, actually, it's, it's rising. I shouldn't say it's in the world completely because it's not perfected yet. But God is allowing them to perfect their shrewd plan. And then he's going to come and crush them. But if you remember. Chapter 6 of Genesis. God seen that every thought and intent of man's heart was evil continually. But then it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah's name means rest. See, when you, when you find grace in the eyes of the Lord and the grace of God appears to you, then you find rest. You're settled. 
But then he's still, that's positional. Now he's going to still continue to perfect and strengthless or perfect and establish and strengthen you and bring you to that rest where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Same thing. So what happened? Noah and his family, eight people, listened to God, obeyed God, even though it hadn't rained ever on the earth. They spent 120 years building an ark and believing God and telling others when they would come by, what you building there, Noah? Boat. Why are you building a boat for? The ocean's like, are you afraid? He's like, what are you building a boat for, you stupid? Nope, God said he's going to flood the earth. What? It's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. He's coming to bring judgment. Why would he do that? Because all the hearts are ungodly, evil continually. I, he's relented that he ever created man. Anyway, boom, 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 boom. It all happens. We've read about it. We believe it. We put it on our baby's walls for some odd reason. Not only the destruction of the world. That's a good way to raise them up. I guess that put the fear of God in them, huh? Look here. Look at these people that God killed. That's a good way to do that, isn't it? Put it on the baby's wall and start them off good. Let's train them. God's going to kill you if he gets to you before I do. Is that parenting 101? I'm sorry. So they, they go through the 40 days, 40 nights. They get to the other side, and, and, and we, we get out, and I'm not going to go through it, but in chapter 9, what does he tell God again? He says in 9-1, so God blessed Noah. And his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Can't tell you anymore, but that's what, that was the new command that they've given. One thing, uh, uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And what do they do? They get off the boat and within, within 100 years, they went back to where they were at by the river Euphrates. They went backward instead of forward. And we see in chapter 10, 10, uh, 8, it's uh, Cush, which is the great-grandson of Ham. Or, no, the grandson of Ham. And then his great-grandson would be Noah. Or Noah would be his great-grandpa. Cush begot Nimrod. Nimrod. I found out not too long ago that that's what they use as a cuss word in the Mormon church. They said, quit being, they say, quit being Nimrodish. I was sharing Nimrod with a Mormon preacher's wife. And uh, Mormons are, if they don't repent, they're going to hell. So I'll just put that disclaimer in there. But I was sharing the gospel with her, the true grace of God that has appeared. And I said something about Nimrod in this earthly government that started with him. Uh, it actually started with the devil in the garden. He was the leader of it. But then he brought it in and God killed it all out and found grace only with Noah, eight people. Eight is the number of new beginnings. He puts them in a boat, which is the fellowship that we're in now. It really represents Christ and us being in Christ, and we're delivered out of this present evil age if we're in Christ. But anyway, I said that, and she goes, she starts laughing, and she looks at one of her kids, and I didn't know that you say quit being Nimrodish if you want to cuss in the Mormon church. Anyway, so I learned a new thing. Nimrod means rebel or rebellion. Who's the original rebel and the original rebellion? The devil rebelled, and him and his angels in heaven. And they were cast down to the earth. And they want to set up their own government because they want to be like the Most High God. Wish I had time to teach this for about six weeks, but I won't. 
you need to search the Bible and know that everything that's going on is in the Bible. Nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. God knows it all. He's already got plans for it. He already knows what he's doing. And what you need to do is be faithful to follow him and allow him to do the work in your life and um, know that you're going to go through some suffering, but he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you if you keep your eyes fixed upon him and keep casting your cares upon him. So here's Nimrod, and he began to be mighty. Listen, the devil is mighty, but God is almighty. The devil sets people up to be mighty and be great men of renown, but God is almighty. And one day you've got to answer for what you've committed in the body. And God will cast your soul into hell. And the only way to escape that is the blood of Jesus. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Notice there's a tandem thing going on. Not just, I believe. The demons believe and they tremble. The evidence that we believe is we walk in the works that he's called us to walk in. We begin to search out and do those things. And not with perfection, with faithfulness. Not with skill, with faithfulness. Not looking for attention with faithfulness. Listen to me. The question is your heart, not your ability. God's after your heart. He could have made everything perfect like he did in the beginning and not allowed Satan, but he wants to prove there's no wisdom or counsel against him. And it's our choice in our free will to choose the earthly, central, demonic wisdom that's leading us all to hell or to choose God's wisdom that leads us to a place of standing in this great salvation and delivers us across the finish line faithfully. Nimrod began to be mighty one on the earth. Ooh, he's mighty. He was a mighty hunter. What was he hunting? He was hunting souls. He was hunting power. He was hunting prestige. He was hunting everything that went in the opposite direction of God. Watch this. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, here's his testimony. Here is his, here's what they said about him, his glory, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom, wait a minute, he had a kingdom? Kingdom of the devil, the one that God came, sent Jesus to destroy, was Babel, Babylon. Eric, Akkad, and Kalni in the land of Shinar. From that land, he went to Assyria. Is it interesting that Babylon was the first one to take the uh, uh, Israelites into captivity and then the Assyrians? Uh, these are all the governments that are run and started with the devil and Nimrod in rebellion. And he built Nineveh. Oh boy, that great city of evil. That Jonah said, they're so evil, I'm not even going to them. Jonah went the other way and God had to have a whale swallow him and regurgitate him up on the beach so that he would change his direction. Do you need a whale to regurgitate you up on the beach? To go in the right direction as the prodigals that we are and to turn around and to begin to follow God and His Word and believe in His government? His government is forever. He's the only one world government. One universe government. I thought it said 
Canaan. Oh, that's when his, his, his um, uncle was Canaan, which is the land that gets destroyed when God delivers his children out of Egypt. They go and destroy and bring judgment upon the land of Canaan. So that would have been his uncle. Now turn over to chapter 11. We'll just do about nine verses. And if you're getting tired, pinch yourself. Um, because this stuff is important. Because Babylon is here. It's rising. The world has always been underneath the sway of the wicked one. The world has always been resisting and ignoring God. It, the world is always trying to set up their own government and their own ways. It's called death culture. It comes from Satan. Because we sit around and argue about good governments and bad governments, but there's no good government except for God. There's none good but God. Is there better than others? Maybe. I'm a better sinner than you are. That was supposed to be a joke. I only got two smiles in the room out of that. Maybe some of the rest of us are lost. I don't know. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. See that oneness? Just one. One language, one speech. Pretty easy to communicate when you have that, don't you? The whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass. I'm so glad. See, because you're talking about your struggles and you're talking about your sufferings. It came to pass. God's going to use it to perfect you. He's going to use it to establish you and strengthen you and settle you. This too comes to pass. As they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, see, they got one language. They can talk. They can communicate really good. Easy communication. Come, let us. Remember, God said, let us make man in our own image. Here, this is man saying, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us. Not God. What's God's plan? He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the land. You have dominion over all the animals. You can do what you want, but you have to listen to me. Do what I said. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the whole face of the earth. God said to be scattered abroad. God said to go and multiply. God commanded, and Nimrod says, hey, come on, guys. Let's build a big tower here. Let's build us a big government here. Let's stand here and make a name. What's name? It's your character. It's your nature. It's your authority. It's your will, not God's will. They began to do the same thing that was going on before the flood of the earth. And in God's grace, what does he do? Watch. Because this is the grace of God. That they would go through some suffering. But they don't stop trying to build. Five. But the Lord came down. Ain't you guys glad that the Lord came down? That the grace of God who brings salvation, has appeared to all men and teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, looking for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? That's good stuff. Come on. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Not God built. God's building his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. But man wants to build their own government, their own authority. 
And the head of it is the one who's the father of confusion, the father of all lies, the devil. And in that city, guess what? They got to have commerce. And in that city, guess what? They got to have religion. And in that government, they got to worship the head of that government and not God. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. Hearts and intents of the, the, the thoughts and intents of their heart are evil continually, ignoring God. And they all have one language. And this is what they began to do, build their own government. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us, Elohim, God in triune God, L is the single God, L-O is the double God, or, or two, and Elohim is your trinity, your plural God, the same one that said, let us go and, or let us make man in our own image. Let us go down, and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Yeah, you confuse them, you, 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 so they can't make a plan to make their own government to destroy, so that they can't get rid of all the nations and the boundaries, so that they can't get rid of all the other commercial commerce and, and monies in the world, so that they can't all be of one mind to be led by one antichrist or one leader. So God, in His grace, separated them and move them away so that his plan of salvation would come, and he wouldn't have to destroy them again so soon. But this Babylon is still going. It just started going in about 11 different places. You guys know that when you get to heaven, there's going to be black people up there? Going to be red people? You know, in heaven it doesn't change. God created us fearfully and wonderfully. We're still going to be the same people in heaven. It's only down here under their government that they want us to be against each other when God said we're supposed to have unity, that there's neither black nor white nor Jew nor free. We're still going to be the same people up there. It ain't going to change. In fact, the Bible begins with nations in Genesis, and it ends that every nation, tongue, and tribe is in heaven. But the devil don't want you to know that. The devil wants you to think we got to get rid of these nations. And these people over here, they're, they're racist. These people over here, they're bad. These people over here, we got to pit against you. Because they want you to be afraid. They want you to be under their control. So in that confusion, you don't, oh, what we do? What we, we do? Oh, we're going to follow you. And we follow the wrong voice. You follow the wrong voice. You ever been under pressure and make the wrong decision? Oh, what do I do? What do I do? I, I got to do it real quick. I'm gonna, and you make the wrong decision. Listen, make your plan now. Make your plan now to know that you're going to go through suffering, but God will perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you. And His Word is true, and it's your foundation. And just stick with it. And as long as you stick with His Word, you know, I'm in Christ. I'm good. I'm standing. I'm histamine. Doesn't matter. Kill me. I'm going to be with the Lord. And that's the finish line. That's where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. See, God is allowing what's going on, what you see on the face of the earth right now. All economies collapsing. France, what was there, 2,000 or something crazy people in the streets? Because they said, you don't get a move unless you got that, uh, that badge, unless you got that pass, unless you've been vaccinated. You don't get a move. 
But if you get vaccinated, you're free to go. Listen, it's a deception. People have been getting sick since, since death started, since sin started, since the garden. Since there was sin, it brought forth death. You're going to die of something. What are you afraid of death for? I'm not saying go kill yourself or nothing like that. I mean, we need to be sensible. Good temple maintenance. Do the right things. Because the devil would like to kill you instead of have you out preaching the gospel. He'd like to just kill you now and then you can go on and be in heaven. He ain't got to worry with you. But you're indestructible until God's finished with you. Listen, this government has been being built and God gave them grace and He confused their language. He separated them. So the Lord scattered, verse 8, 11, 8 of Genesis, scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth because that's what He told them to do. He did the same thing in the book of Acts. Remember He told them to go? He told them to go? And they're all sitting in Jerusalem going, what are you making for dinner? We're going to have some dinner? Let's talk about Jesus and sit here in our houses and do nothing. So he brought persecution. He brought stuff that would make them scatter. And they had to leave because he raised up Paul, Saul of Tarsus, to come in and was going to arrest them. And, and he, so he brought the persecution to scatter them. It was the grace of God so that they would go and multiply and obey. See, when things go wrong in your life, don't blame the devil. Cry out to God and say, how do I deal with it? I want your wisdom to deal with death culture. To go through the things of life, because I know you're taking me to the other side. I just want to be a good witness and give testimony. I left that out, didn't I? Man, you guys got a longer sermon now. I just realized I left that out, that he briefly, Peter wrote to briefly exhort and give testimony. That's what a witness does. Okay. Eyewitness. He scattered them abroad over to all the face of the earth. And what happened to them? They ceased building their own government. They ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. And that's, that's just, um, in my opinion, part of the beginning of nations. God gives boundaries. God gives borders. God gives nations. That's okay. The devil wants to get rid of them. The devil wants to destroy the boundaries. That's what he does. See, God gives boundaries of what's godly and what's ungodly. Well, the devil perverts it and makes the uh, uh, ungodly godly. He makes lawlessness lawful. That's death culture. He wants to blind those lines. But God's word tells us exactly what we are called to do, O man. I was going to read this. Look, it's in Acts chapter 17. Twenty-four. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. He dwells in the temple of your heart. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands, no idols, as though he needed anything, since he gives all life, breath, and all things, and he has made from one blood every nation of men, notice it's the word nation, ethnos, to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. 
Why, Greg? Verse 27, so that they would seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. It's good stuff. Are you being faithful? Are you groping around? Are you looking for him? Are you seeking him? He knows where you're at. He knows where your heart's at. He knows where this one world government's at that's come into power. That has just, just brought in such great destruction. He's allowed it to happen to show his mighty power. When you trace it forward, you find that Babylon is spoken of. You know, what, you know why he tells us to be sober? Because in Jeremiah 51, go read it later, Israel got drunk. God allowed them to get drunk because they didn't obey God and they kept looking to the world system. And Babylon took them captive. And then when you get to the book of Revelation, we see Babylon again. The religious system in chapter 17, the commerce system in verse 18. It began with Babylon and it's going to end with Babylon when the devil, the head of Babylon and that world government is thrown into the fiery pit. That's where it ends at. But it's not out of God's control. He allows you to either choose to obey Him or choose to reject Him. He allows you freedom to listen to His voice or listen to the devil's voice. But those who have said, I have received salvation and I believe in the blood of Jesus, it's to bring you back into his house so you would learn to obey his voice, his word, be his, his ambassadors without the penalty and the punishment or the power of sin in your life. He took that. But now he wants to sanctify you so he can glorify you. Do you want to be faithful? We have to start cutting some baggage. We have to start laying aside the weight and the sins which so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that has been set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's coming soon. Soon and very soon he's going to be here. We're at the end of the age. I, I'm not a prophet. I work for a nonprofit organization. I, don't, I do not know what day and hour, but I can tell you right now it's close. I can tell you right now, it is very, very close. And we better wake up. Ephesians 4 says, arise from your sleep, wake from your sleep, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, finding out what the will of the Lord is. That's what we need to find out as the people of God and then be faithful in it. And he says, be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You got to look to the Spirit. You find out what the will of God is. You can't do it with your own hands. That's still building your own government. It's involved in the devil's government. You have to do it with his power, according to his plan. According to his name, because there's no other name on heaven and earth by which man can be saved but the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to greet one another with a holy kiss, kiss of love, but we can just hug.
Thank you, Lord, that we can have the peace that surpasses all understanding and be at peace with you because of the blood of Jesus. Lord, may we be your faithful ambassadors. May we plead with others to be reconciled with you. Pour out your spirit upon us. Have your way with us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would say to the church and help us not to get entangled uh, with the affairs of this life, with the earthly government in the spiritual war that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. Lord, we're ripe and we're ready for one world leader. And so we pray that you would come quickly and take the chosen home. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I